We're going to read today in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. We're going to read about a miracle that happened. A miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. And you know what I love about those types of miracles, the ones, the, the few that you see that are recorded in all four Gospels, is you, you get a different perspective uh, of what it was happening at the time. You know, you think of it this way, if you uh, are standing in a, a, on a mountain and you're looking down into a valley and there's a tree in the middle of the valley and you're standing north and someone's standing south and someone's standing east and west, they're all going to see something different even though you're looking at the same thing because one may be looking at the way the sun causes the shadow to fall on the tree. One may see uh, something fall off the tree on one side that another didn't see. and It's just a beautiful thing when you have really this cross uh, kind of pollination of the stories of the Gospels. And many people, when they first read the Bible, they'll pick it up and they'll say, well, didn't I just read this? Didn't I just you get through Matthew and then you get into Mark and say, didn't I just read this? Well, yeah, you did, but what you're reading is a verification of accounts, really. Uh, many people have tried to come at the argument that multiple accounts give us, uh, uh, make it wonder if it's really true, but really, multiple accounts add verification to the truth of the story. And so that's what we're going to look at today, is this powerful miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And I have often wondered who was the guy that counted all 5,000 of them, and not only that, but the Bible says when you read this story that it wasn't just 5,000 people. It was 5,000 men besides women and children. So whoever went through and counted, he just counted the men and forgot to count the women and children. And so you get in this unique story of all of these people. And I, I want to talk to you really about their location and where they're at because this has really interested me as I've studied this many times and I've thought... What is going on here? And this has been a scripture I've been kind of meditating upon. But let's read in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus heard this, and what he heard was the news about John the Baptist being uh, killed, rather, uh, is he withdrew from there in a boat. Now notice what he does. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. Some translations might say a deserted place by himself, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now, I believe it's uh, Mark's account that records that the Bible says that they ran ahead of him too. So really what was happening was Jesus was getting on a boat. He was taking a shortcut to a desolate place, and what these people were doing was they were running around the long way. You know, it's kind of like if you're trying to get over to, uh, I guess, uh, another side of the uh, of the peninsula, I guess that's Smithfield, and you drive around the long way instead of taking the bridge across. And that's what, that's what Jesus did. He took, the sh he took the shortcut, but the people, they took the long way. And so they followed him on foot from the towns, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Uh, this is the first thing to note is that uh, it's often uh, the case in the Bible is that uh, 
miracles, which uh, supernatural things that happened, uh, kind of get absorbed into another greater miracle. But that doesn't denote, uh, uh, denote the fact that this was a great miracle in itself, was that Jesus was healing a multitude of people. But not only that, he was getting ready to do another miracle. And so now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, I love the disciples, they always state the obvious. They said, this is a desolate place. This is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. You know, the disciples were kind of like all of us, you know. It's just like, uh, let them handle it themselves. They're hungry. They'll go take care of themselves. Send them back into town. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Now John's account of this miracle records that there was a young boy who had the five loaves and two fish and brought with him for his lunch. That's a big lunch for a little boy, but he had it with him. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. Not only did they eat, but they were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. A very interesting miracle that happens here how Jesus takes a little bit of food and multiplies it to feed uh, this, uh, this crowd of people that were uh, over 5,000 people. Not only did he do this once, but he did it again, actually. The Bible records that he fed 4,000 people. And so what a powerful thing that here is Jesus, this person that they've heard. Uh, John records in his account that they heard the signs about him, and so they followed him. They heard what he was able to do, so they wanted to get a little closer to him. And so you've got this kind of uh, tension being built in this, this time period because you've got these people who were after Jesus because of the signs he did, because they needed a miracle. But then you've got these people who were after Jesus because of the signs they did because they thought he was blasphemous. So there's this interesting tension being developed here. Now, this is a, an amazing miracle because of where it happened, of what was happening and how it happened. Oftentimes when people read this, you're, so many translations of this say that they were in a deserted place. And uh, when you read that, you almost immediately assume that they're in a desert, but they're not in a desert. They're in a deserted place. In other words, they're in a place that's been abandoned. And that's why some translations use this word a desolate place because it was a place of emptiness. Uh, it was like driving through the boondocks where there's nothing exists, right? And that, that's kind of what was happening here in this desolate place was that there was nothing there. And that's the whole point of it was that Jesus went there to try to escape the crowds. He wanted to get away. He wanted to have some time alone. But the crowd was insistent of following upon him. And this is what I want to talk to you about today is this big word that's called desolation. Desolation. A desolate place. As we talked about, the desolation means this kind of emptiness, this abandoned nature, this sense of looking around and there's nothing, this sense of opening up your eyes and wondering, where am I and what is going on? 
How many of you ever felt like that? Where am I and what is going on? Maybe the better question is a lot of us ask ourselves is, how did I get here? I don't know how I got here. I don't know how it happened. And I think many of us ask that same questions looking back over the past four months and we say uh, everything that's happened. It says, how in the world did we get here? Where am I and how did this happen? A unique time, but really what this, is, uh, this kind of passage is teaching us is going to talk about a season that many of us enter in, and it's kind of place that we often go through spiritually that is a difficult place, but is a place that where God can do His greatest work, and that's a place of desolation. You notice lately we've been talking a lot about these types of seasons we we enter in in life. We talk about the kind of places we go in, the storms, the deserts, the things that we experience. Because really that is what life is made up of, is season after season. And unlike the, the climate and unlike the weather, seasons in life change much more frequently and rapidly at times. And this was so the case that Jesus was about to demonstrate in this miracle was that they were in a season, they were in a place where God was about to teach them a lesson. This lesson, often with many of the miracles, was not just about feeding 5,000 people. It was not just about uh, healing sick people, but there was a greater message that Jesus was trying to demonstrate, not just to the people, but especially to the disciples. First off, he shows them that they are in a desolate place. The, The disciples point that out, and he They tell them, let them go back into the villages and buy food for themselves. But notice the first thing I want you to see here today is that when when the disciples said that to Jesus, Jesus responded that they need not go away. You give them something to eat. This is a powerful lesson that I've learned in my spiritual life, but we can also learn from the Word of God is that hungry people move God. Hungry people move God. What does that mean? You know, I've, I've had this kind of uh, learning in, in my life uh, with these experiences being in different uh, atmospheres and services and churches and experiences, and I've noticed something common. I've noticed that God really moves among people that are hungry for Him. God really works in a place where people say, I just want the Lord. There's no false motive behind it. There's no pride behind it. But it's this genuine place of saying, we want Jesus. And that was what happened to the crowd here, was that they had got it in their hearts that Jesus was going up ahead, and they wanted to go where he went, as was the case of many people throughout the Bible. The man that was healed of, a, of the many demons in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says that he wanted to follow him, he wanted to go with him, he wanted to be one of his disciples and walk by him all the time. He had a hunger to be with Jesus all the time. And as these people did, that they were hungry. They were not just hungry for food, as this is teaching us, but they were hungry for something more that they didn't even know they needed. They had a deeper hunger inside of them that was longing for God. A hunger and a thirst, as Jesus calls it, for righteousness. The beautiful thing about God's Word is that when He teaches us about hungry people, when he teaches us about people that were reaching out for him. Go through, watch, read the Bible sometime, and just take note of how many people Jesus healed that made a move towards him. Take note of that sometime. 
Direction is not only uh, uh, is an important direction is an important element in the Bible. Watch how the people move towards God, and watch how God responds. That every time that the people took a step towards God, or that they reached out to Him to be healed, it was immediately that they were healed. That a miracle came; they were provided for, etc., etc. It teaches us a basic fact about the God of the Word of God that James states: that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us. That if we will get hungry in our souls for God, then he will fill us with our our appetite that we're so longing for. Hungry people move God. Better yet, hungry people get the attention of God. There's something about when a Christian gets hungry, they get in their prayer life, and they get in their closet, and they say, I just want Jesus. I just want to be filled Notice here that these people, they were in a desolate place. They were an abandoned place. And it's oftentimes that when we get into the seasons that where we feel like abandoned, where we feel empty, where we feel like, what in the world am I doing here? That that's often the times that we take note of a hunger that's inside of us for God. It's often the time that when you get into a place of being empty, where you realize what you really need, right? When you're hungry, you realize, what do you need? Food. And this was so the case in these people's lives, was that when they got hungry, they realized what they need. And oftentimes, we'll go through these seasons in life, these desolate places, so that we may realize who we really need. You know what God is interested in? The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are roaming from the earth, seeking to strengthen those who are searching after Him, the psalmist records. That God wants to strengthen those who were chasing after Him. It's not a position that we ought to have just in seasons of our life where we're running after God. This should be the continual nature of the believer. This kind of hunger that moves and says, I just want more of the Lord. I just want to experience Him like I never have before. I want to be with Him more than before. Hungry people move God. The second thing I want you to see here is that God, uh, when it seems it's not enough, God makes it more than enough. When it seems it's not enough, God makes it more than enough. Have you ever been in that season of life, or maybe you're in it now, and you feel like, I just can't, I just can't get what I need. I feel empty, I feel tired, I feel weary, I feel discouraged, and there's just this continual sense of, I'm missing something on the inside, and I just can't seem to get my fill. I just can't seem to be refreshed. I I read the Word of God. I don't really seem to be getting anything. I pray, and I don't seem to be uh, being heard by the Lord. And it's in those seasons where what seems like nothing is that God multiplies it into much. What do I mean by that? I know in my own life that I've often been in these seasons and maybe they're more noticeable to me because I have this uh, pressure that, that I've got to be able to speak and uh, say something that the Lord wants, I to, wants me to say. And when you get into a season where you're teaching or you're ministering often and you get into a season where you feel like you're in a desert and you can't hear from the Lord, uh-oh, that's a real challenge, right? Because it's like, what in the world am I going to say? But it's in those seasons that I've noticed that what God has tried to do is try to get my attention to break out of this little uh, um, temptation that we all have, which is to just settle for less. It's just to say, I can just, okay, coasting through life, 
just doing routine, but never really developing our heart. It becomes more focused on what the outward thing is doing, but not the inward transformation. But what God was doing in our desolation and what God was doing in this abandoned place, this deserted place, was He was taking what seemed like nothing and He was literally showing it to before their eyes that what you mistake as nothing, what you mistake as pointless and as meaningless, I will show you that it is actually in the kingdom of God amounted to much. God was showing them that God multiplies desolation. God multiplies the season where it feels like you're abandoned, where it feels like you're discouraged. God multiplies that season into being much because that's the time where our hearts and our minds turn to the Lord. Number three, this one has always interested me. It's they're in a desolate place. I think uh, many of the older translations might record King James and uh, the Revised Standard Version, record deserted place, that the Bible says that he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Isn't it interesting that they're in a desolate place, they're in a lonely place, they're in an isolated place, but yet there's grass. This tells us something powerful about seasons when we're in emptiness and when we're in desolation and abandonedness and discouragement, that you can be surrounded by life but still feel empty. You can be surrounded by everything that's green and happy and loving, but inside you still feel this sense of, I can't get my fill. I feel empty. I'm walking away, and I don't have enough. Jesus almost, it was almost as if intentionally trying to show this crowd something, was that he moved them and showed them in this desolate place that there was actually a place of grass for them. This reminded me of a psalmist who said this, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. But then he goes on to talk about a a valley, the shadow of death. He goes on to talk about a difficult place, but yet he walks by green grass and blue waters and life. This is the experience of the Christian, is learning how to navigate life, learning how to navigate seasons of the Lord where we walk by faith and not by sight. I see green grass, but I don't feel green grass on the inside, but yet I will trust God and know that He's more than enough to provide for me. You can be surrounded by life, but still feel empty. Fourthly, I want to show you this is that Jesus, when he said they only had five loaves here and two fish, he said, bring them here to me. Or as in John's case, they went and tapped on, I just would have loved to watch that. They went and tapped on that little boy and asked him, can we take your lunch? You know, how, how crude that must have been. But there's that little boy, he had his five loaves, two fish. He said, we're going to need that. But I'm sure he would tell that story for the rest of his life. He said, bring them here to me. There's something that teaches us about the desolate place, as the disciples so stated, is that you have to bring what you have. A lot of times we get into these seasons of emptiness and abandonness, and what happens is uh, we like to tuck ourselves away, we like to quit, we like to throw in the towel, we like to give up, we like to uh, shy away and avoid people. But in this desolate season, we learn something, that you bring what you have. Take it to God. You take the little that you have. God, I've only got a little bit of strength left. I've only got a little bit of fight left in me. 
I've only got this sense of, God, I don't know what to say, but I'm just going to trust you. I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to trust you. You bring the little that you have and watch what God is going to do. I almost retitled this today, Desolate, but food is on the way. Because desolate seasons, oftentimes we get into desolate seasons where it feels empty, it feels dry, it feels like we're not getting in the direction we need, that we're praying about, God, what do I do with my life? Where do I go? What's this decision I need to make? And nothing seems to come. And oftentimes it's in that season that we try to quit and we think that it's going to stay that way. The enemy, he's crafty. He likes when we get into this desolate place to make us think that we're going to stay there and stay abandoned and think that God's left us there. But really what the desolate season proves to us, if anything, is that God is on the way. If you read the Bible, if you study the Bible, you'll see that a desolate season was never the end of somebody's season, but it was just a season in between the, the, the mountain on the mountain on one side and the mountain on the other side and the valley in between. It's the, the season that marks the middle that we must cross through and walk through. It's bringing what you have. It's saying, Lord, here I am. Present to God a, a, your, living, your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's saying, Lord, here am I. Just take it. I'm yours. I belong to you. My life is all yours. Or as we sang this morning, my life is in your hands. How often do we do that? How often do we make decisions when, we're, when we feel discouraged or when we feel empty, when we feel abandoned, then we make big life decisions in those seasons. And those are the seasons when we shouldn't make those decisions. We need to make those decisions when we have a clear mind and when we feel that we're, we're having direction from the Lord. But bring what you have. They were in a desolate place. But Jesus, in His mercy and in His kindness, notice what He did. And we kind of bring this together. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to pray this morning. But Jesus said, they need not go away. Notice what happens in seasons of emptiness and abandonment and desolation. It's that God is so merciful. And you know, I don't know about you, but I walk through those seasons many times and there's a little voice that whispers in my ear. It's that says, it's your fault. It's because of something you did. It's mistakes you've made. It's problems you've done, created that have brought you to that place. And then I get into a moment of hope and the Lord reminds me of a word like this. They need not go away. You see, the Father's will is not to push anybody away from Him, often as the enemy puts into our ear. He causes us to run away from the Lord and feel this sense of isolation and separation from God. But what the Lord wants to do is to bring us under His wing. You see, the thing about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty is, is that sometimes you don't really know you're there. Sometimes you don't really know you're in the shadow of the Almighty, but yet God puts us there and we're in His protection and in His care. I want to close with this today. A man who knew emptiness very well. A man who knew what it meant to be in a season where you feel like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I don't know how to do this. And this is a time where we're all feeling this, really. Many of us, you might be feeling this about your job, your situations, finances, whatever. It's those moments of life that are very difficult and strange and one that we're 
you know, kind of uniquely, ironically, we're walking through together right now in our world. But there was a man in the Bible who knew emptiness and desertedness very well. But just as much as he experienced emptiness and desertedness, he experienced God Almighty and His power and miracles at work. And that's Elijah. Elijah's life is often like many of our lives. We experience the highs. We experience the lows. And Elijah had a prophecy from the Lord, and he had a word that there was going to be a drought. And, you know, Elijah, he's... He's living on the graces of God. He's not getting an income. He doesn't have a provision. He doesn't have somebody paying his salary at a church. No, he doesn't have any of that. He's living by the grace of God. And so a drought came. And the Bible says that the Lord commanded him that he should drink from the river. And the Bible says that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and he lived by the river. It's always amazed me that God commanded the ravens that what, what would have seemed crazy, would have seemed weird and strange, God made a way for him in a way that seemed unusual. So there he was in the drought. There he was in the difficulties, the emptiness and the seasons of dryness. The place where it feels like, God, I cannot hear from you. I cannot walk with you. I don't know what's going on. But the ravens were bringing him food. The Bible says they would bring him bread and meat, and he would continue to drink from the brook. But then the Bible says that the Lord would move him from that place, the place where he knew he was getting provided for by the brook, a place where he knew that God was going to make a way with the water, God was going to make a way with the food, the bread, and the meat, and God moved him and told him to go to a person, a widow. Now notice this. This is strange. Elijah knew at that time that a widow would have been a struggling person. A widow would have been somebody that didn't have a way of provision for their life. It would have been somebody who didn't have a means to make it, really. And Elijah knew that. But the Lord said, go near this widow. Leave the provision that you know. Leave this comfort that you know. And go to this new place where I'm going to take you where there is no guaranteed provision, there is no guaranteed food. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to put you by somebody who probably can't provide for you. So Elijah went. And once again, but the Lord spoke to him and said that I have commanded a widow there to feed you. He commanded a raven. He commanded now this widow. And what Elijah began to witness was, was that he went into this widow's home. And he realized that she didn't have enough. He realized that she also was in a drought. He realized that she also was in the middle of not having provision. The Bible says that she said to him, I have nothing. I have nothing to bake. I have nothing. But Elijah began to instruct her, take that jar and fill it with flour, fill it with water, and watch. The Bible says that the jar of flour was not spent, and neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. It's amazing to this this story, and this is what I want you to see, is that what Elijah watched was that in his drought, in his season, by going and 
being provided by a widow who had nothing. He didn't just watch God provide for him. He began to watch how God was using his season of drought to begin to be the provision for somebody else's drought. That when he walked into this widow's life, all she had to begin with was a jar of flour and a little bit of oil. But when he walked out of her life, she had an abundance of flour, an abundance of oil. And it's in these seasons of emptiness, in these seasons of desolation, like these disciples went, that when we get into a place and we feel like we have nothing, that it's the strength that helps other people. It's the encouragement that comes along that we can behold with our own eyes how God provides for someone else time and time again and makes a way over and over again. Elijah, all he had was a story was God provided to me by a raven, so God must be able to provide to me by a widow. And now he would walk into this widow's life and say, now it's not going to be the raven that's going to provide for me anymore. It's going to be you that can provide for me. It's going to be your drought that will help me. It's going to be your abandonment, your desolation that will strengthen me. I want to encourage you today. You're feeling empty. You're feeling abandoned. You're feeling in a season. You say, God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I can't hear from you. I feel lost. I feel overlooked. That you would remember that in the place of desolation, that in the season of the place where you feel like you don't have enough, that God is the God of more than enough. And God is the God who doesn't push you away, but He brings you close. And He is the God who always, always, always makes a way. Always, always makes a way. You stand with me this morning. Did you close your eyes today? You're watching online, you're here in person today, you're feeling empty today, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling a lack of direction. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord today and bring what you have to Him? Just take it to Him today and say, Lord, I just feel like I don't have it. I don't feel like I'm going to be able to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get through tomorrow. I feel discouraged. I feel an emptiness. I feel a lack of bread and provision in my life. God, I go and I pray to you. I don't feel like you're there. I open up my eyes and I look for you, Lord. I've been praying. I've been praying for this need. It just doesn't seem like anything's happening. I need a job. I need provision. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the season. I want to encourage you today just take it to God and tell Him how you really feel remember how that crowd what they did right was that they went after Jesus they chased after Him they didn't let anything stop them sickness or anything they just went to where He was at and that's the first step as we become hungry for the Lord and say God I need you to fill me I need you to be the satisfaction to my appetite today. I need you to be the strength to my soul, Lord. Lord, I don't know about tomorrow, but you do. You hold it, Father, in your hand. My life is in your hands, Lord. And I give it all to you today, God. I bring what I have to you, God. 
I bring the little that I have, Lord, like that widow, just bringing the little bit. It seems like nothing. And God, I want to watch you multiply it. I want to see your goodness before me. I want to watch how you will make a way right before my eyes, and I not even know it. God, I pray today for that person who has a need here today. They're feeling empty. They're feeling like they don't have any hope today. I pray, God, that they would find life in you, that there is life in you and in your name, that you are the one who gives life, that you, as your word said, you are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. And in this season of feeling empty, God, I pray that strength would come. I pray a renewal would come, Lord. I pray, God, that we wouldn't quit. We wouldn't throw in the towel, Lord. We wouldn't let the discouragement deter us, Lord, from your presence. But, God, may we come nearer to you than ever before, Lord. May our desolation be the season that causes us to come and hunger for you like never before, Lord. I pray, God, you'd make us a hungry people. You said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. God, make us hungry today, Lord. Make us so hungry for you this morning. Fill us up till we overflow, God. Fill us up till we overflow. God, the psalmist would write, I walk through the valley of shadow of death, but yet my cup runs over, Lord. God, may that be the story of us today, God, is that, yes, I walked through that season where it looked desolate, it looked empty, but now my cup runs over. I feel a strengthening. I feel a renewal. I feel I have left the desert and walked into a marsh of water. God, I pray, renew us today. Holy Spirit, come. Strengthen us. Streams of living water flowing through us today. God, we thank you for your word today. I pray, God, strengthen us this morning. Help us today, Lord. Give us strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let's all sing together this morning. We need to talk to the Lord. Talk to him today. Just let him know. Be real.